Amen. He is here. Amen. Isn't it awesome to be able to celebrate who uh, Jesus is? Y'all can clap it up, man. It's good. He is here. Uh, we invite God to come in and take over every service. Uh, we have a prayer team that prays, and man, it's my prayer every week that God would fill this place with His power and His presence. Amen. And that His light would literally be evident to all. And so if you're joining us online, we hope that, uh, that, man, that you got a good connection and you can uh, join us this morning. I know there's lots of families sitting around maybe tables and stuff doing Christmas together, but we're glad that you're joining us in that way. But uh, today, you know, we're in a series uh, talking about the light of the world. And, uh, and oftentimes, you know, we hear that, we sing about it, but we can let this season become something that become, can become a little bit heavy and, and oftentimes can feel a little bit dark. And, uh, and I just want to you know, speak to a couple of things today. As we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, I pray that for some of you in this room, that maybe it's been a tough week or a tough season, uh, you know, even moving through the holidays, maybe for some of you it's the first time without a loved one that you see the light of Christ at work all around you. There's some that, you know, just the weather, you know, the weather yesterday, you know, it can get depressing. And I've heard, I've, I've talked with quite a few people over the last week or two that are just struggling with anxiety and depression. And let me tell you, God's intention is for you not to have to struggle with that. But to let him heal you and even give you, put place his light within you. And so if you're here this weekend, maybe you're going through the holidays and you feel lonely or you just you're depressed or you feel overwhelmed because of all the things to do and all the gifts to buy and all the stuff that is all on the checklist that you've put together. Maybe today you just need a time to just say, you know what, I just need to feel God's presence. And I just need to be able to just rest in him this morning. And so I, my prayer is for that is that's, that the God will answer that for you. And maybe if you're watching online, just wherever you're sitting, you can kind of let some of that stuff go for a moment and take hold of Jesus. And so, uh, man, I, I just pray that God will speak to you in that way today. So we're talking about Jesus being the light of the world and uh, how how important it is. And so oftentimes when we think of the light, you know, when I think of light, the first thing that pops into my mind is probably the sun, uh, because the sun, you know, is uh, is man, is so powerful. And, uh, and on days when it's overcast, you know, and or maybe you're going through one of those nights where you can't sleep or maybe you're laying in the bed and you're staring at the ceiling and all this stuff's going on. We just begin to pray for the sun to come up. Don't we? we want a new sunrise, you know, and I love sunrises and sunsets, but just the power of the sun, man, it brings warmth. You know, if you've ever been on a cold day and you feel the warmth of the sun, man, it's just so awesome to feel that. And so I think of that light and how it, it literally does. It gives us hope. When we see that sun cresting in the morning, coming up, we go, you know what? Hey, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity. It's a, it's a new opportunity to serve God. It's a new opportunity to make a difference. It's a new opportunity. And, and so I love that. And so we often think of light in that way. And I want us to look at a, a couple of scriptures today. Uh, this is out of Psalms. This is talking about God himself. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. And so whenever we see the look into the scriptures, we see that oftentimes that God, the father is is known as a light. You know, we get, think about Moses at the burning bush. He's in a, he's talking to a bush and there's this light. It's, it's consumed. It's not consuming the bush. It's it's just this light, this fire that's there. And we often see it talk about the pillar of, of, of fire that led the nation of Israel. There's light there. And so we see that there's light you know, in the Old Testament. And then we see Jesus as the light of the world coming in the New Testament. But there's some things I think we need to unpack today as we look back. And we're going to look into the Gospel of John. And it's talking about the beginning. It's talking about the light of the world. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so, and what John is saying here is that Jesus was there in the beginning. And so, in the beginning, the Word already existed. So that's the Word of God, literally became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. God left, 
left heaven, wrapped himself in humanity, and became this child that will celebrate his birth in just a few days. That's what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus. And so we see that, you know, that the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus and God, one and the same. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. In other words, Jesus was there at all of creation. He's been there from the beginning. The word gave life to everything that was created and his light, his life brought light to everyone. Hear that today. The good news that Jesus brings light to everyone. Some will receive it and some will reject it. But he offers light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love that. You know, we think about light, the sun or whatever. But the, the thing about the light of Christ, man, it, it, it literally pushes away all the darkness. And what darkness is, is the absence of light. And there may be some of you in this room or some of you watching online that mean you have darkness in your heart. And the light of Christ can illuminate and can literally push that darkness out and get rid of that darkness that's there. And so the light, man, it can never be extinguished. Jesus can never be extinguished. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell a, about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. We did a story or we did a series talking about, you know, John the Baptist and how John was saying, hey, listen, you know, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. And so people often, you know, wanted to follow John and they kind of began to kind of put him on a pedestal. And he said, no, 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 that's not the way it is. He said, for me, I must decrease. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. He said, he's coming. There's one that's coming that I'm unworthy to even untie his sandals. And so he's out there baptizing one day and he looks up and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said, that's what it's about. That's who it's about. That is the promised one. And so he's pointing to that. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. And the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John, as he's preparing the way, and, and people would often kind of want to, like I said, put him up there and say, hey, well, are you the one? Are you? And he goes, no, no, no. He said, I'm just preparing the way for the Messiah. I'm pointing the way. I'm pointing people to the light of the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So here it's talking about Jesus, and we talk about this quite often. We have to be really careful with religion. You know, religion is man's attempt to try to get to God. But Jesus was God's way of reaching us and giving us a right relationship with the Father. Religion is something we have to be careful with because oftentimes what we do is we will get caught up in religion. And religion can become rituals and routines and just kind of following these patterns and hoping that you do it right or do it long enough or do it the right way. That maybe God will accept you. And that is not God's way. That's by deeds. So we're saved by faith. Faith in Christ alone. And so what we can do is we can get caught up in religion and we can miss God. You think about the religious leaders of the day. Look at what it says. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. And so you've got these very religious leaders that are walking around. And man, they're like walking, you know, Bibles, if you will. They've, they've got it all memorized. And they, have, they make sure that all these regulations are followed and all these rules are followed. And, and it's like they're lording it over the people. It's not about freedom for them. It's about control. And so what happens is they are so caught up in their own little control model there that they forget that they're supposed to be looking for a Messiah, for a, for a Savior. And they miss Him. And there's lots of us that too often we get caught up looking at the other things and sometimes it's even religion and we miss Jesus. See, Jesus, Jesus is about a relationship. He's about a relationship, a personal relationship. And through Him we're able to have a right relationship with God the Father. He came to His own people. And they rejected him. They crucified him. 
But they reject him. They wouldn't accept him for who he said he was. And even though he had everything to back it up. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So I love this. You know, we talk about it in Psalms 139 that we're all created. We're knit together in the secret place, in the mother's womb. The Bible talks about that we're all unique. We're all special. And so we're created there. But here's the thing. Whenever we talk about creation, we're created. But here, what does it say? It says we become children of God. And so when we put our faith in Christ, we go from being a creation of God to being a child of God. And we're adopted into his family. And we're brought in as part of, and we're literally co-heirs with Christ. That's crazy, isn't it? That we're co-heirs with Christ. And, and so when we look at that passage there and we, we realize that those who believe him, those who put their faith in him, they believe to the point of surrendering their life to saying, hey, I'm going to follow you, Christ. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. That's whenever we are placed, we have placed within us the, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is placed within us, sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. It says they are reborn, not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. When someone says, man, I'm a born again Christian, some of you guys go, man, that sounds a little churchy. But here's the thing, what they're saying is, man, I've died to the old way of living. You mean, I have been changed. I have been born again. I have been born again spiritually. And so whenever we realize that, man, there's a spiritual birth that takes place. See, I was born on March 5th, 1966, physically. But I didn't give my life to Christ until I was 19 years old. That's my spiritual birthday. And so when I put my faith in Christ, that's when I became a child of God. Before I was a creation of God, but now I'm a child of God. Not because of anything that I did, but because of faith in Christ and what Christ did on the cross. So the Word became human and made His home among us. That's Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. I love how John puts that, doesn't he? He says, man, I've, we've seen the, the one and only the one and only Son. So, the light of the world is the Son of God. We talk about the light of the world. We sing songs about the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Man, I love it. And, and so here is the thing. We, I don't want us to forget this. Jesus was there in the beginning. So He was there in the beginning. We go, we go all the way back to the creation of man. Jesus was there. All through the Old Testament, he, he watched the people as they would get excited and they would, they, would, they would commit to live their lives for God. And then they would drift off and they would begin to follow idols and they would begin to follow false teachings. And then they would kind of lord things over people. And so, so Jesus is seeing all of this. You know, he, he's there. He's experiencing all that. He sees everything that they do. And then we see that there's a, a, a span of darkness, 400 years of, of silence where God is just silent. And, and Jesus will literally pierce that silence. He will, he will break that in half, man. And literally, God will show up like he's never shown up before. In the form of a baby. We're going to celebrate that in just a few days. The birth of a child. A baby. In a manger. The lowest of lows. The bottom of the barrel, if you will. But yet, he would be king of kings and lord of lords. How beautiful is that? So Jesus was there in the beginning... It says this in Revelation, I love it, it says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so when we look at Scripture, it doesn't matter if you go to the Old Testament, because oftentimes people say, well, Jesus in the New Testament. No, no, Jesus is the whole thing. He is the Word of God that came and dwelt among us. And so don't ever try to separate and say, well, Jesus is the New Testament and God is in the Old Testament. No, they're one and the same. So Jesus is the Word that came and dwelt among us, right? And so we look back and Jesus knows everything that took place in the Old Testament. And every prophecy of the Old Testament is pointing towards Christ. Every prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
And I mean, if, and if you guys are math gurus in the room or whatever, and you were to go back and look at some of the statistics that it would have to be like this incredible percentage for it to be Jesus to be half of the prophecies. You would go like, man, that's mind boggling. I wouldn't want to put money on that. But whenever you look and you realize that he is, he fulfills every prophecy, man, we don't even have numbers that can measure that almost. But he fulfilled everything. Everything was pointing to him. So Jesus didn't do away with the Old Testament. He fulfilled the Old Testament. And then with the new, new covenant we see with the New Testament, he established, amen, the way is through the person of Jesus Christ, our faith in him and him alone. It's not by works. It's not by following the rules and regulations. It's by faith in Jesus, in be, him being the, the, the Lamb of God, the perfect light. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So that's why he chose very carefully the time and place for saying, I am the light of the world. And the reason I want to explain that because... You know, Jesus was intentional with everything he did. Now, some of us, we just kind of go through life like, like, you know, Patrick off of SpongeBob. You know, hey, you know, just kind of whatever. But Jesus was very intentional with his time. He was intentional with his conversations. You know, and he was all about the Father's will. Everything he wanted to do is he wanted to be about the Father's will. On his time, on his schedule. Even going to the cross. I mean, he's in there praying in the garden. Father, can this cup pass from me? Not my will, but your will be done. It's all about the Father. And, he, and Jesus knew, man, that he was going to go through pain. Now, I don't know if you guys like pain, but if you reach over and you pinch yourself and you go, man, that kind of hurts. All right, Jesus felt that as well. Whenever he pinched himself, he felt it. When he hit his finger in that carpenter shop, he felt it. So he knew that going to the cross was going to be painful. And he knew it was going to be tough. But, man, he was willing to go and let them literally rip his back to shreds with a cat of nine tails and go to a cross and be nailed there. Not because he wanted to for the pain, but he wanted to because of you. He wanted to take away your pain. He wanted to take away, you know, your bondage. He wanted, to, he wanted you to be healed. He wanted you to be made in right standing with God. And it wasn't something that he said, man, I want to just go and enjoy this. He said, I want to go because I know what it will redeem. And so that's why he, he chose very carefully the time and the place for saying this. In, in chapter 7 of John we're moving kind of a little bit through John here. We see the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of, of Shelters. And what it did, this is what it memorialized God's holy dwelling place, the desert tabernacle, the design by which uh, was given to Moses by God himself. And so in John chapter 7, so we're moving through the Gospel of John. In John chapter 7, Jesus is with the disciples and they're, they're part of this, this festival, this, this Feast of Shelters. And what it is, the Jewish people would literally get together and they would have this celebration and it was a week long deal. And that what they would do is they would sit there and they would they would uh, have these dwelling places put together that they would kind of stay in. Kind of like little shelters made out of branches and stuff, kind of like they did whenever they were traveling through the desert. Whenever God set them free from Egypt and Moses is leading them through the desert, you know, then they're kind of reminiscing. They're kind of memorializing it, thinking back to what that was like. So they had the, the, the festival, if you will, or the Feast of Shelters or Tabernacles. And then also they celebrated the tabernacle that, that God dwelt in. So they were remembering that. They were thinking back to how God had led them out of Egypt. He'd taken them out of slavery. How he had provided for them. He had taken care of them. How he led them with light. He led them with a cloud. And so they're kind of reminiscing about some of this. So light played a very significant part in this festival. So there's this festival going on. Like I said, this is, the Jewish people eagerly awaited this festival, and they celebrate it. So they celebrate the shelters, they celebrate the light, you know, and this light, uh, light thing took place every night, and it was a ceremony, and it was this huge menorah, these huge menorahs that were like seven candle lights or whatever, and they were huge. And so these were so big that they had to have ladders where they would crawl up 
And they would put the oil into these in these big vats and they would use the garment from the priest's clothes to be the wicks. That's how big they were. So they put out a ton of light. And all this is taking place in John chapter seven. So Jesus is in the in the crowd They're You know, they're experiencing this. And it's, it's kind of a cool thing. So the light plays a huge part. So four two gold menorahs, candelabras with seven candles fitted with wick from priestly garments were put in place in the temple court. But they're huge. They're big enough. They have, like I said, they have to go up ladders to get up there. So it's kind of a big deal. So look at this. So there's that's what it kind of looks like. But this is a really big one. So here we see just a candle. But they had literally vats. And then the wick, like I said, was from the from the garment of the priest. And that would burn. And so it put off a ton of light. And they would celebrate this light, kind of a festival of lights, even if you would. So light, recall the light of the glory cloud as Yahweh led Israel through the wilderness, the pillar of fire. So if you go back and if you know anything about Moses leading the people, you know, then they were led by a pillar of fire or a pillar you know, of fire at night and then a cloud by day. And so God was leading them. He was guiding. So they're celebrating the God's presence. And even the menorah in the, in the tabernacle, in the tent, they kept this thing burning. And it was evidence or it kind of represented the presence of God that was there. And so for us, you know, we, we pray for God's presence in this room, the Father's house. Fill it up, God, with your presence. We pray that. We ask God to come in to move in the hearts of people that whenever we come in here, that, man, there is healing. There is people. The prodigals come home and lives are changed. We pray that because we believe where the presence of God is, there is life change. We had two people in the first service that gave their life to Christ this morning. And we celebrated that. Amen. You can give another shout out to that. That's good stuff. Last weekend, we had 17 people go through the waters of baptism that have put their faith in Christ. That's a celebration, right? Last week, we took the whole service just to celebrate the miracles of lives being changed. We even took up the Big Give offering. You know, and uh, the Big Give offering, it goes through the end of the month. Last year, we took up $100,000 total for the year. And so this was really amazing. So last week, you know, after the second service, we had taken up like 102,000, but not even counting today. This was as of yesterday. We had $111,314.96 that came in that will go towards missions. All of that, every bit of that goes towards missions and outreach to share the good news, share the light of the world with those who have never heard about Jesus. And so, man, let me tell you what that says to me about our church. Is number one that we believe, we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. We believe in the good news, and so we're a, we're able to say, you know. And let me let me give you another praise. Y'all may not like this one as much as I do, but as a pastor, oftentimes whenever we do a special offering like that, the regular tithes and offerings are just not done. You know what I'm saying? But last week, our church gave the, nearly the same amount they normally give on a second Sunday that they would normally give, and then they gave over $111,000. That says that you gave sacrificially, and that says that you believe in the message of the gospel, and you want people to hear it all the way to the ends of the earth. So I want to clap for you guys and just say thank you for being faithful and obedient. Thank you all for, for giving sacrificially. So this light is a big deal. So when Jesus says he's the light of the world, it's a big deal. I mean, he, he, he's literally making this statement in, in, in chapter, uh, chapter 8 here. He says, I'm the light of the world. Jesus would make this proclamation in John 8. So here's the thing. At the beginning of John chapter 8, many of you guys know the story where there's a woman caught in adultery. So this woman is caught in adultery. And the religious leaders, these guys who, again, who study the Scriptures and they know the Scriptures and everything, and they, and they literally used it to kind of lord it over people rather than to set them free... They bring this woman that's caught in the act of adultery and they throw her at the feet of Jesus and they're trying to trap Jesus. They want to find out, hey, what's he going to say about this? Because he keeps talking about mercy and love and forgiveness. 
But, you know, she was caught in the act, so she should be stoned. So they throw her at his feet and they tell her, say, hey, listen, this one was caught in the act of adultery. She should be stoned. So what do you say? And they kind of look to Jesus. And instead of, you know, making, you know, more of her and, and humiliating her even more, Jesus begins to stoop down and begin to write in the sand. And he takes his attention, takes the attention off of her to over here. You know, and the guys are looking like, what's he doing over there? And so as he's beginning to write in the sand, Jesus says, he who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And so they're, they're like, well, wait a minute. We were, we were thinking that you were going to say this or this, because if you said that she needs to be stoned, then you don't show mercy. But if you show mercy, then you're breaking the law of Moses. But he didn't respond the way they wanted him to. And oftentimes, you know, religious people, they're looking for something different. But Jesus, man, he, he, he set her free. And so what I love about that story is he gets down, he begins to write in the sand, and nobody really knows what he, write, he writes in the sand. But, you know, there's people that kind of think, well, maybe he got down and he wrote their sins, and he said, well, here's John, and John's sin is this, and here's Bill, and Bill's sin is this. But it says that the men begin to walk away from oldest to youngest. And they drop the stones. And think about this, they pick these stones up to beat this woman to death with, to literally beat her and pelt, pelt her until she was dead. But yet Jesus begins to write and just draw in the sand and they begin to walk away. And Jesus looks at the lady and she, he says, where are your accusers? And she said, there are, there are none, Lord. And he goes, well, then neither do I condemn you. But he said, go and sin no more. He said, go and sin no more. In other words, to, that, that there comes to a point where you say, you know what? I confess it is sin. I I repent. I turn from that. And that's what Jesus, he's calling it to repentance. Go and sin no more. And so right after that takes place, we see this in John chapter 8, verse 12. So that's just taking place. So these people that are standing around watching this. And Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So Jesus makes this proclamation in, verse, in chapter 7. Like I said, he's at the Festival of Tabernacles. He's sitting there. Literally, they've got these celebrations at night. They've got these lights, these big menorahs. they got all this going on. They even celebrate water because, you know, water came from the rock. And, and if you'll remember, Moses got angry and he struck the rock and still water came forward. And I remember a guy teaching years ago, a good friend of mine, he said, you know, you, you remember that. He said, because there's another time whenever the rock is struck and water pours forth. And he's talking about when Jesus is on the cross and, the, and, the, and literally the soldier walks up and he runs a spear into Jesus' eyes. And it says that blood and water poured forth. So the rock that is represented there, you know, it still carries meaning in the New Testament. And so they were celebrating the shelters. They were celebrating the tabernacle. They were celebrating the light. They were celebrating water. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He would say to a woman at a well that, hey, you know what? If you, if you, I'm, I'm the water that quenches and you'll never be thirsty again. And so he says, I will take care of that need in your life. And so it's a beautiful picture that we see here. So the light that leads to, to, to life. Because there's a lot of people that I believe that, you know, say, well, Mike, I believe in Jesus. But do you have the, do you have the life that Jesus has promised, the abundant life? We oftentimes see Christians that, man, claim to be uh, believers. Man, they live in bondage. Man, they struggle. And there's no joy. There's no excitement. There's no passion in them for, for, for God's life that he's given us that leads to life. This light should be going through us. It should be part of our countenance. It should be evident to others that, man, there's something different about them. 
I mean, I'm telling you, I have spoken churches for years, you know, for and go pastor churches and, and literally be preaching in these churches. And and literally I'll look around. And I'm thinking, man, these people look like they're weaned on pickle juice, man. They look sour as everything. And you think, oh, well, that's just because you're teaching, Mike. Maybe if, if they were out, it wouldn't be that way. But they're the same way wherever they go. And some of the most miserable people are the most religious people. They look like they are just weighted down with all this stuff. But we should have the countenance that, man, it shows, you know what, man, I have a light inside of me. I have life inside of me. I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And we ought to be walking in that peace. And we ought to be walking with that joy. And the countenance of joy and the fruits of the Spirit ought to be evident in our life, right? And so why is it that too many believers walk around claiming to know Christ, or they're religious maybe, I don't know, but they don't have the light of life in them? And we've got to be willing to walk in that life. So let's take a look at this. So then Jesus returned to Galilee. And this is in Luke uh, chapter, chapter 4 here. And so Luke, what's taking place here is Jesus has been uh, been tested or tempted by the, the, the enemy, the devil. And so he's gone through the temptations here. And so he has been fasting and, and praying and he's preparing for his ministry. So he's about to step out. But he, he literally goes and he is tempted by the devil and he defeats the enemy with the word of God. He speaks literally, you know, he rebukes enemy, the enemy. He rebukes uh, Satan. And Satan is going to do the same things in our lives. He's going to come tempt us. He is going to come do everything he can to kind of get you to get off course and to not be about the Father's will. But Jesus did the very thing that we ought to do. He used scripture to rebuke him and to literally put him in his place. And so coming out of that, Jesus comes back to Galilee. It says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. And here's what I will say. When we have the Holy Spirit working in us, and the Holy Spirit is literally kind of being evident to the people around us, they will talk about, man, they're not the same. That's not the same guy that I used to know. That's not the same person I used to know. They're different. And, man, I'm just telling you, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, it becomes evident to the people around us. So Jesus, he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Everybody thought, man, this guy teaches with authority. You know, but Jesus didn't have all the training and the schooling that others had, but yet he taught with authority and people were drawn to him. It's because he'd been there from the beginning. He's the one that wrote it all. He knew it. He knew it from the beginning. He knew it all. He wrote all that. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, this is his hometown, his boyhood home. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The good news. The good news. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I love that. So Jesus stands up and he reads this passage And then he rolls it up and he sits down and he's saying, hey, this scripture has been fulfilled today in your presence. And everybody's looking around like, wait a minute, isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that Mary's son? Don't we know this guy? You know, and he's saying he is the son of God is pretty much what he's saying. Just like he says in John chapter eight, he says, I am the light of the world. Man, you follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness. So Jesus is the good news. We talk about the good news. We say the good news is the gospel. That's right. It is. But Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the word that became flesh that dwells among us. Jesus is the good news. The good news is that God has made a way that we can be in right standing with the Father. The good news is that Jesus has taken care of the cost of it. We don't have to buy anything. We don't have to earn anything. We just have to put our faith in what Christ has done. And the good news is that God knew that man man kept messing up. They watched it from the beginning of time all the way up. And it says, you know what? I'll make a way. 
Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so it's when we put our faith in what Christ has done. We focus on the cross and we realize, you know, he died on that cross for me. He's poured out his precious blood for me. He was placed in a borrowed tomb. He was resurrected and he defeated death and he defeated the grave and he defeated hell for me. He defeated that and he offers that to us. And therefore, we ought to walk with this incredible joy going, you know what? I have been born again. I'm a child of God. I'm part of his family. And so Jesus is the good news. And so here we are. We get to gather at Christmas. And I know we get together with family. And I know a lot of times we get caught up in other stuff. We get caught up in traditions. We get caught up in what the, the media says and what's, what the latest craze might be as far as what kids want or whatever. But we forget sometimes that it's really about Jesus. And so we're about to celebrate the birth of the light of the world. That's what Christmas is about. And so when we gather around these tables, it's not about the food. It's not about the ham, the turkey. It's not about the presents and the trees. It's about Jesus. And we get to celebrate him. And man, hopefully, prayerfully, there'll be some of you, maybe even somebody in here today, or maybe somebody watching online, that you'll realize he is the light of the world and you'll put your faith in him. He is the good news. Jesus came to set us free. And see, I, I love this. He came to give us light, to literally show us the way to be in a right relationship with the Father. He was rejected by his own people. He was crucified. He was called a criminal. But he died for the very ones that nailed him to the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's how much he loves you. And so Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free from the bondage of sin. He came to set us free from whatever the, the addictions may be that you're wrestling with. Or maybe the, the things that your mom and dad taught you or modeled you that are not biblical and they're not right. And you've got to be willing to say, yeah, you know, God, I, I want what you want. Like Jesus, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I want to follow the way he did. And Father, I want to line up with your will, your way, your word. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to change me. Change me from the inside out. And whenever we do that, he will literally set us free from, you know, and I, I'm t- t- telling you guys, I grew up in a home where my dad was a certain way. He wasn't a believer, wasn't a follower of Christ. And, and so, you know, whenever I was young, man, there was things that he did that I took on that same thing. I had a short temper. I had, you know, bad attitude. But man, whenever you get saved, whenever you let Christ change you, you take on the attitude of Christ. You begin to say, God, you know, I need you to teach me patience. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and the more that we submit and surrender that, the more that we begin to experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the Spirit working in us. And, and so you might say, well, my mom was this way or my dad was that way. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be that way. You can be different. You can be changed from the inside out. You can be a new creation. You can walk around with joy. And whenever Christmas season gets here, you don't have to be depressed and you don't have to be, you know, fretting or anxious or worried. But you can walk through this season with joy and you can walk through the season celebrating and you can literally be a light to the people around you. Maybe your family looks at you and you go, man, I want to be like him or I want to be like her. And they go, I want what they have. And you get the point and say, man, it's just Jesus is all it is because he set me free from anxiety. He set me free from depression. He set me free from whatever it might be. And so we've got to be willing to lean into that. It's by faith we're healed. I had a guy in the first service who, who, who had a bout with cancer. He said, man, he said, people just don't realize how important faith is to healing. He said, but how important faith is to life. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, brother. So maybe for some of you today, maybe you realize today it, it is faith. 
But Jesus came to set us free. And Jesus gives us eyes to see. See, I, I think back to what it was like for those people that he healed. He gave them sight. You think about the guy who his friends let them down, let him down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus tells him to get up and take his mat and to go home. And he points to him and he said, because of your faith, get up and walk. And that guy hadn't been able to walk. And all of a sudden this guy can walk. You know, his life has changed forever. And so I often think about the people that were blind. You know, they're crying out to Jesus. Jesus, Son of God. Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus gives them sight. Man, how powerful that would be. There's one where Jesus literally takes some spit. And he puts it, mixes it with dirt, makes mud. And puts it on the guy's eyes and says, hey, go and, and, and wash him. And the guy's given sight. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen these, these uh, videos or whatever where someone has given glasses where they can see colors for the first time. Maybe they're colorblind. And you'll see these people put them on and they'll just start weeping. And able to see color for the first time. And you go, man, how cool is that? Well, think about if Jesus gives you brand new eyes. In other words, you can see like you've never been able to see before. You know, and you're, you're able to see reds. And you go, man, I, I didn't know that's what red looked like. Or you, don't, you get to see greens or you get to see the blue of the sky. And I know we take those things for granted. But, man, for somebody who has lost their sight, man, they're able to see those things. Man, this is amazing. Or someone who has never seen it. Maybe they've never seen the curve of their wife's face. Or their child. God says, man, I'll give you eyes to see. But here's what I say, too. It's not just physical sight, but it's whenever we have spiritual sight, whenever God gives us eyes to see the spiritual things. And we see that, you know what, man, I'm undone. I'm broken. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. And whenever we see ourselves for what we really are, we go, man, I need Jesus. I need to be reborn again. Man, I'm just telling you, there's, everything takes on a whole new look. Everything takes on a whole new color. And we see things clearly for the first time. We realize, you know what? Jesus is the way. He's the truth in the life. And there's no way to get to God except through Him. And we go, man, God, thank you for giving me eyes to see. And whenever we see that we need a Savior, I'm just telling you, it's the best place to be. And so maybe for you today, here's a couple of next steps that maybe you need to take. And this, here's one. Follow Jesus today. Maybe you're watching online and, man, you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe God has given you eyes to see today that you need a Savior. You need to put your faith in Christ. You need to be saved. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. You've been religious. You've even gone to church. Maybe you went every time the doors were open. But you realize today, man, you know what? Man, I've been trying to earn my way there. I didn't realize that Jesus had taken care of it all. So maybe today you follow Jesus. Here's another one. Allow Jesus to set me free from the bondage of sin. Let Jesus set you free. I see too many Christians, too many believers that live as captives. Jesus did not come and die on the cross, defeat death, defeat sin, defeat hell, so that you would have to continue to live in the bondage that you're living in. And some of that's because you're choosing that over Him. And I, mean, I want to encourage you today, let, just say, God, I want you to set me free. I am living in bondage. Maybe there's a stronghold in your life. You need to ask God, God, I need you to tear this down. God, I need you to change the way that I think. I need you to change the way that I'm living. And God, I, I, I need help. Will you help me grow my faith? God, will you give me the faith that I need? Help me to believe. Help me to trust you. I think about, you know, in the scriptures where the, the guy says, Jesus, get, help me, help my unbelief. And maybe that's you today. You say, God, help my unbelief. So today, maybe you follow Jesus. Maybe today you finally get set free. But see, it's up to you. God doesn't force himself on anybody. He gives you the choice. What will you choose? 
I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in the room that uh, maybe God's given you eyes to see that you need a Savior today. What's keeping you from putting your faith in Jesus right now? You may say, well, Mike, I don't know what to do. Let me walk you through that, okay? It's a simple, it's so simple that a child can pray to receive Christ and it be genuine. It's so simple that a, a thief hanging on a cross can pray to receive Christ and it be genuine. Someone lying in a deathbed can call out and be reborn, be redeemed. And so maybe for you today, you go, you know what, that is my need. And so I want to walk you through this. You say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, I believe that you can save me. So Jesus, I'm asking you with all the faith that I have. And I believe with everything that's in me that you can save me. So Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? I want to quit living the way I've been living. And I want to follow you. That's repentance. And so just like he told the woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. I'm setting you free. Then let today be that day of receiving the gift of life, receiving God's holy light placed within you, God's Holy Spirit placed within you, sealed until the day of redemption and set free, no longer living as a captive. If you're here today and you 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 prayed to receive Christ, if you don't mind, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. And I believe with everything that's in me, I just gave my life to Christ. I believe that Jesus just saved me. Just raise your hand, anybody in the room. Anybody in the room? Maybe, maybe somebody online prayed that prayer. If you don't mind, let us know. I see your hand right up here, brother. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome. I see your hand over there. I see your hand over there. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. Anybody else? Man, praise God. That's awesome. Welcome to the family of God. You're no longer a creation of God. You're a child of God. Co-heirs with Christ. Maybe there's somebody online. Maybe you made that decision. You prayed that prayer. It's only by faith that we're saved. And you might think, well, I, do I need to do more? You just need to trust Him and follow Him from this point forward. Maybe you need to follow Him in believer's baptism. Then follow Him. Follow Him. Trust Him. But if you just pray that prayer, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In the blood of Christ. Welcome to the family of God. In just a second, our praise team is going to lead us in a song. And I want to give you an opportunity maybe to lay some things down on the altar. There may be some of you that you're living in bondage. And Satan would love for you to just stay right where you're at. Not do anything about it. Keep making excuses. But for some of you, you want to be set free. And I want to encourage you. Our prayer team is going to be here at the front. They'll pray with you. They'll pray over you. If you're online, man, you can contact us. We, We will pray with you and pray over you. But God did not... Send His Son Jesus down the cross for you to continue to live in sin and to continue to live in bondage. He wants you to be set free. So I want to ask everybody across the room, if you would, just to stand. Every one of you stand. And the praise team is going to lead us. The altar is open. If you want to come and just get on your knees and pray, somebody may be able to come down and pray with you. If you want a prayer team partner to pray with you, they'll pray with you. We celebrate these that have put their faith in Christ, but don't stand there and miss out on an opportunity to leave something and be set free. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads you.
of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is love. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. Amen? There's people in this room that have put their faith in Christ today for salvation. There's people in this room that have been set free from the bondage of sin. I believe that. I believe that. Father, we thank you for loving us, for saving us, for redeeming us. God, I thank you for these that you have brought into your family today. God, that we can't earn it. We can't do anything to get there other than receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ by faith. God, I pray for those that are watching online. God, I pray that there's someone sitting there listening, hearing the gospel and responding by faith. God, I pray that your message would go forward. And Father, your kingdom would be expanded. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. 
Thank you for using us in Jesus' name. Amen.